If I've never met you before, my name is Matt. My wife Jacinda and I are the pastors here at Coast Vineyard, so um, we're glad you're here. We're it's in the middle of a series that we're going through at the moment called Wisdom, Faith, and City Living, uh, working through the book in the Bible called First Corinthians. And it is, if you haven't been here for the first couple of messages, you can catch up with them on podcasts on the website, uh, online there. But it's a very like sixty second blitz through here. This is a letter from Paul the Apostle to the church in Corinth. Now, Corinth is a city in Greece, but it's a, uh, in, the, in the time of the Roman Empire, so the Romans were in charge, and uh, it's a relatively young city because it got um, smashed um, and, uh, way back when the Romans first conquered it, but then uh, Julius Caesar rebuilt it about 44 BC. So it's only about, so at the time when Paul wrote the letter to this church, the, church is only about, the, the city is only about 100 years old, um, it was a city that was feeling pretty pleased with themselves. They were doing really well with commerce and trade and uh, entertainment and uh, fun, making money. Um, but um, this was at a time when most of the Roman cities weren't doing quite so well. So this, they were feeling, they, they felt good about themselves. They were a proud people. There's a lot of immorality, a lot of loose living, loose morals, a lot of weird spirituality. And Paul, the apostle, comes in to... Corinth to start a church, to tell people about Jesus and to, to start a church about 50 AD. So the city's only, like I say, about 100 years old when he gets there. And he took, it took a while for the church to get going there. There's a lot of opposition to the message of Jesus. And, but by the time he left, 18 months later, there was, it talks about there was a large number that believed. Okay, so we've got this church that's got a large number of people in it, whatever that means. Okay, so, so that's that's where that's a very very quick catch up of or at least a background of of Corinth now here's the thing so when he first Paul first comes in there's no Christians in the whole of Corinth he leaves 18 months later and just leaves them to it so he's leaving and he's going right we need some leaders at this church here right Michael you were you you came to faith about a, you know a year 12 months ago you seem to have got things okay you're in charge okay 12 month old christian you know and um and you know you you've you've only been a christian for about two months but you seem to be a pretty good chap and you know you seem to have got got that you know the handle on my teaching so you're one of the leaders as well and so these these people that have come out of this pretty loose and uh proud culture all of a sudden they're the leaders of the church but they haven't had you know they haven't been to the vineyard leadership training program they haven't been to uh they've they haven't done you know we're just like paul's just going well here's the deal guys here's here's here's, here's what i wrote down this is what i wrote down this is what he would have said to them he said look after everybody love each other and save the lost we'll see you later <laughs> and then paul heads off to ephesus which if you know um Modern day Turkey, it's on the west coast of uh, modern day Turkey, and uh, carries on and start, you know, uh, sowing into growing the church in Ephesus. So here we are, um, and three years later, Paul, he hears this report back from how things are going in, in Corinth. And uh, he hears some good things, but he hears a lot of things that aren't going quite so well. So he goes, I've got to write to these guys. And, um, and give them some guidance here. So we're getting into chapter 5 today. 
And in chapter 5, Paul launches right into talking about sex. So today, we're going to launch right in and talk about sex. So at 10 o'clock today, there wasn't many people here. We sent out, and uh, we got a woo there. Um, I'm thinking, like, normally that we get lots of yeah and amens, and everyone today might just be like, I'm not saying amen to anything in case people... <laughs> um, but like at 10 o'clock today, just and I look around and say, there's not that, that many people here. And she says, maybe it's because we sent out that email saying we're talking about sex um, this Sunday and everyone's too scared to come. So maybe. Um, I have to say that uh, in my home growing up, never talked about sex at all. Never even had the birds and the bees talk. I got given this book one day, these little cartoons in it, and I thought, that's a nice book, you know. So anyway, um, so here we go. As, before we start, look, it's just so important for us to know that everyone has their own challenges and struggles around this area. So we're, we're created with this incredible sexual drive, and, uh, and sex is a, is a, it's a gift. It's a gift from God, but it's, it's like a gift that you get, and the instructions are sort of written by someone who doesn't have English as a first language. It's like, you know, you get those instructions sometimes. The product's great. But it's like, it feels like I can't quite understand how this works. And, you know, like I can't quite get the instructions going here. And like I said, there's a few things missing. And it's a bit confusing. Um, so that's my intro. <laughs> so, so chapter five, we're going to get into it. I'm going to read from the Message Bible. And again, I'm just uh, doing that deliberately because I know that for many of you that perhaps have been reading your Bible for a number of years, the Message Bible has a, um, a, a fresh look at it. Um, so in this first part, here's, here's what you're going to hear. I'm going to actually tell you what you're going to hear just um, you know, before you hear it. So you've got the specific case of unacceptable sexual behavior in the church. And then you've got Paul, the apostle, writing the letter. He's grumpy because the church is not taking it seriously. Okay? And then he gives direction on what to do with that specific case. And then he's telling people, like, you've got to take sin seriously. Okay? That's the first part. Okay, so let me, let me read this. It'll go up on the um, screen behind us. So he's already into his letter. He's talked about a few things, and then he's into this. I also received a report of scandalous sex within your church family, a kind that wouldn't be tolerated even outside the church. One of your men is sleeping with his stepmother. And you are so above it all that it doesn't even faze you. Shouldn't this break your hearts? Shouldn't it bring you to your knees in tears? Shouldn't this person and his conduct be confronted and dealt with? I'll tell you what I would do. Even though I'm not there in person, consider me right there with you because I can fully see what's going on. What Paul's doing here, he's, he's saying, he's knowing that these leaders are just like not that confident and not quite, you know, are thinking like, can we really do what you're about to say? So he's giving them sort of almost some of his authority into the situation. Just, just picture me right there with you. I'm telling you that this is wrong. You must not simply look the other way and hope it goes away on its own. Bring it out in the open and deal with it in the authority of Jesus our Master. Assemble the community. I'll be present in spirit with you. And our Master Jesus will be present in power. Hold this man's conduct up to public scrutiny. Let him defend it if he can. But if he can't, then out with him. Out with him. It will be totally devastating to him, of course, and embarrassing to you. 
but better devastation and embarrassment than damnation. You want him on his feet and forgiven before the master on the day of judgment. Your flip and callous arrogance in these things bothers me. You pass it off as a small thing, but it's anything but that. Yeast, too, is a small thing, but it works its way through a whole batch of bread, though, pretty fast. So get rid of this yeast. Our true identity is flat and plain, not puffed up with the wrong kind of ingredient. The Messiah, our Passover lamb, has already been sacrificed for the Passover meal, and we are the unraised bread, part of the feast. So let's live out our part in the feast, not as raised bread swollen with the yeast of evil, but as flat bread, simple, genuine, unpretentious. I wrote you in my earlier letter that you shouldn't make yourselves at home among the sexually promiscuous. I didn't mean that you should have nothing at all to do with outsiders of that sort, or with crooks, whether blue or white collar, or with spiritual phonies for that matter. You'd have to leave the world entirely to do that. <laughs> Ain't that true? So, But I'm saying that you shouldn't act as if everything is just fine with a friend who claims to be a Christian when a friend who claims to be a Christian is promiscuous or crooked, is flipped with God or rude to friends or gets drunk or becomes greedy and predatory. You can't just go along with this, treating it as acceptable behavior. I'm not responsible for what outsiders do. But don't we have some responsibility for those within our community of believers? God decides on the outsiders. But we need to decide when our brothers and sisters are out of line and, if necessary, clean house. Whoo! All right. Paul, eh? Man, he's a guy that uh, tells it like it is. So I've called this message today Sex and the City. You know, we're in this series that we're talking about life, uh, you know, wisdom, faith, and city living, because Corinth was a city, and they compared it to, like, it was like the New York of its day, where it was buzzing, there's a lot of things happening, but there was a lot of things happening, you know, so, um, what a, I mean, what a mess, I mean, what a mess, hey? like, I mean, in some ways you go, oh, you know, how could they do that, in other ways you go, well, Good night, Paul. You only just were there for like a, you know, half the, probably most of the people just got saved in the last three or four months you were there and, and off you went. And, you know, they, they loved Jesus and they loved the forgiveness that was on offer. They loved this access to God that you read. We read further on in Corinthians about how they've really grabbed the hold of, of accessing the power of God, you know, about the, the, the spiritual gifts. And that, you know, so they, you know, they got a hold of a lot of things, but boy, they missed it on a few other things here as well. And, and um, I mean, there's a guy in church having regular sex with his stepmother. I know, it went quiet real quick when I said that. It's like, it's like, ah! It's like, enough so that it was known enough that people knew to then tell Paul. So, it's like, what is going on? Even those outside of the church. It says that. Even those outside of the church were going, hey, bro, bro, this is not cool. This is not cool. And you know, I mean, What's the guy's dad doing? I mean, it's just, it just boggles the mind what, you know. And so there's people in Corinth that are sort of hearing the story about these sexual practices that's happening in this church and um or or this new religious group and they're hearing these kind of things and i mean the church is supposed to be known for its love 
enforce power, you know, but not, not weird sexual practices. So no wonder Paul wrote to these guys. He's going, oh. You know, and if it was today, you can hear by his tone, if it was today, he'd be straight on a plane. You know, he'd be coming there face to face. This is a big deal. This is a big deal, guys. You've got to sort this out. Stop. Stop this. Let me tell you some good news. I've touched on it a little bit. But this, the church, this brand new church, it really understood grace and forgiveness and freedom. I don't know, it's kind of like, yeah, but, you know. But they, that is good news. Because these are, these are such important parts of the, of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus, that Jesus had freed them from the legal structures of the Jewish religion. He'd, um, under, they understood that they're no longer under the law, but they are free to live being guided by the Spirit of God. That's a huge one. That's a huge one for anyone that chooses to follow Jesus, that you get a, get a hold of that. We're not under living under a set of rules. We're living by the Spirit. We're living free to be guided by the Spirit of God who lives within us. But the bad news is that this church, they didn't do the work of guiding people away from things that were harmful when they got it wrong. You know, it's one thing to know, like, oh, we just need to be led by the Spirit, but, like, some days we do that better than others, don't we? we? You know? And some days we get it wrong. And and not only did they were they not helping and guiding these people away from things that were harmful, but they were, it, you know, the message translation talks about how it doesn't even phase you. The, the actual words from the Greek, it talks about how um, it says that they were like boasting about it. It was just like, ah, you'd never guess what's happening in our church. It's, it's almost like, like, you know, it's like, it's almost like schoolyard bragging or it's just, it's just like, so Paul says, yes, you have freedom, but not everything is beneficial, you knuckleheads, okay? That's what he's saying. It's like, come on. The church in Corinth, his big thing was that you're not demonstrating love. You're not getting involved when people are going down unhelpful paths. And I mean, it's a pretty full-on example here of what we need to do sometimes for people that's going to be the best for them. Is that he's saying, you know, if this doesn't, you need to talk to this guy. And if if he hasn't got a good, re- if he hasn't if he hasn't got an answer that. You know, if, if, if this is true, you've got, to, you've got to kick him out of the church. That's what they're saying. You've got to kick him out of the church. Give them the opportunity to explain himself first, but if it's true, kick him out. So it's just important to just get a bit of differentiation here. This is a person that's committed to the church. He's a committed follower of Jesus, probably baptized, committed follower of Jesus, and committed to the church. Okay, so this is not someone that's just on the periphery, that's just someone that's seeking, that's just exploring faith, that's, that's, um, or that's just sort of, you know, coming but is not really connected. But this is someone that's committed to the church. So why, why, why kick them out? Why kick them out? Is it because they are embarrassing to the church? You'd think that would be, maybe it is, but it's not that. Is it because it's just, they're just too much trouble and hassle and it's like, 
Yeah, it's, no, it's not that. Is it because they're not welcome anymore? They're not loved anymore? No. Is it because God doesn't love them anymore because they're just misbehaving so badly? No. The reason is because of love. You think, hang on, that doesn't sound right. You kick someone out out of love. Paul believes that not being welcome in the church while this guy is in this sexual sin will be so devastating to him that he will turn from his sin and get right with God. See what it said there? It said, because we want him on his feet and forgiven before the master on the day of judgment. It's love. It must be love. The literal translation of this, again, in the Greek, it says, hand him over to Satan. Oh, it gets even worse. It's like, you know, look, bro, um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hand you over to Satan. You've got to understand here, this implies that there is protection available for believers by being connected into a church, okay? Because he's saying you're, out of, you're going to be out of the church and that little thing says they're going to hand you over to Satan. I don't know how that kind of works, but if you are out of the church, then you're exposed to the attacks of evil. So you don't want to be thinking that being part of a church is like, a, like an optional extra. Like a church is like, is like a fortress. It's our, it's our safe place. So then Paul goes on to say something that's important for each of us in our individual lives. It's because it works, this metaphor works both for us personally as well as for the church as a whole. He says that yeast is dangerous, and yeast is his metaphor for sin. Okay. How much yeast goes into a loaf of bread? Anyone? Teaspoon? I'll tell you what it said when I looked it up. A scant tablespoon. I've never heard that. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but like maybe a couple of teaspoons, a scant tablespoon. How much yeast goes into a loaf of bread? All, they all say the same thing. A scant tablespoon. Okay, so let's maybe a couple of teaspoons compared to seven and a half cups of flour. Okay, so a little bit of yeast, a lot of flour. That's probably about the extent of any knowledge for, with me making any kind of food in the kitchen. Um, but you get this little bit of yeast, and it works through the whole dough. And what changes is that without the yeast, it's flat bread. With the yeast, it's puffy bread. Okay? I don't, what? what? Risen bread. Oh, sorry. My notes say, yeah, fluffy bread. Fluff. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. We, we want to be flat bread. Okay? We want to be flatbread. And just a little bit of yeast works through the whole dough and it changes the whole bread completely. Sin will affect our whole life. A little bit will affect our whole life. We've just got to get rid of it. We want to be flatbread. Simple, genuine, unpretentious was what the message Bible said. And in the same way, Sin will affect the whole church. I've, I've seen this in churches where something has been going on and they haven't addressed it. And it's just carnage. 
it just turns into carnage. So as leaders of the church and with our you know, leadership team, we are going to take action in the way that we believe is best for people when they are heading down unhelpful paths. No, you're, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. You're right, it's not easy. Yes, it does take a lot of work to sort these things out. And let me tell you, there's, you know, we, we talk with people about stuff you know, semi-regularly. Okay, so the stuff, there is stuff that goes on. But we do it because that's what love does. Love takes effort. Love takes effort. To do the work of loving people. And you might, and look, you might be there thinking like, ooh, okay, I've got some stuff going on that, um, but boy, I don't want to, I don't, I don't know if I want to talk about it now because like, I might get kicked out of the church. I might just better to keep it sort of, sort of hidden. If that's what you're thinking, it's just wrong thinking. It's like, here's, here's right thinking. Thinking, right thinking is I need to talk to wise and caring people who can help me into the best life that God has for me. That's right thinking. There's another little word of warning here as well. Be careful who you hang out with. Did you hear that? Be careful who you hang out with. You may think that you'll be able to influence them, but they may end up influencing you. Okay? Especially be wary. He says, especially be wary of so-called Christians who are making poor life decisions around sex, alcohol, money, with the words that the slander, the words that they're saying, you know, swindlers it talks about. And look, I know some of you guys have got friends like that in other places. I know that. And um, so it's just a word of warning to you. That's all. It's just a just word of warning to you. Just be careful. And if you see that happening in this church, can you let someone in leadership here know? Because then we can, we can, we can work it through. And it's not being a telltale. It's demonstrating love. Because if some... This is about, these things are happening. It's, it's unhelpful for people. It's taking them downward in life, not upward. So by being aware of it and being able to address it, we can help people start going upward in life. So the answer to Paul's rhetorical question, as we read it at the start in the Scriptures, is that yes, our hearts should break when we hear of people's sin. Yes, hearing about it should bring us to our knees in tears. And yes, the person and their conduct should be confronted and dealt with. Yes. Okay. Paul jumps into chapter 6 now, and he does this little thing at the start. I'm just going to breeze right past it. Not that it's not important, but he talks about Christians taking each other to court to sort out their issues. And he's basically going like, guys, the guys in charge of the legal system are the Romans that are just this brutal, unjust, you know, dictatorial, oppressive regime. And you're going there? It's like, like, go to the smart people in your church and get them to sort it out for you. And he says, surely, surely there's at least one <laughs> in the church. And um, so he just, he, sort of, he just says, just, um, 
be smart with that. Um, and he also says, and if you've been wronged, if you want to leave, live out of an even higher place, what you could do is just let the wrong, just, just let it go and just take it on the chin and just move on. He said, that's an even higher place to live out of, out of the generosity of heart for the good and the reputation of the church. Just take it, let yourself be wronged and forget it. And then he's right back into it again. Sex in the city. And why right living is so important. Okay, so I'm going to do another big burst of the Bible. Are you okay with these big bursts of the Bible? Okay. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. And again, so he's talking about the, the sin in particular around the, this, you know, some of the sexual behavior. He's talking about this this taking each other to court, and then he kicks on again. So don't you realize that this is not the way to live? Unjust people who don't care about God will not be joining in his kingdom. Those who use and abuse each other, use and abuse sex, use and abuse the earth and everything in it, don't qualify as citizens in God's kingdom. A number of you know from experience what I'm talking about. For not so long ago, you were on that list. Since then, you've been cleaned up and given a fresh start by Jesus, our Master, our Messiah, and by our God present in us, the Spirit. He's just saying, there is, there is smart ways of living, people. There's right ways of living. And there's ways of living that if, you, if, if you're not living right, there's a danger you'll just like head down further and further and further away from God until he's just completely out of your life. And then you're, you know you're not really part of God's kingdom if that's, if that's, if that's where you go. N.T. Wright, I know we've been quoting him a lot through this series, and he's written this wonderful book around um, Corinthians and some of these issues. He's a wonderful you know, uh, pastor, scholar. Um, he says this, The Creator God has unveiled His genuine model for humanity in Jesus the Messiah, and there are certain ways of behaving which just won't fit. If you want to be a truly, fully human being, those ways of behaving have to be left behind. You know, the law has been fulfilled in Jesus, and now there's this new way of living, living free from the law through Jesus, but, but coming on board into God's kingdom and keeping on doing the things that Paul describes, make, you know, it makes you a liability for yourself and can lead you away from God and potentially... You could just drop out of this citizenship of his kingdom. That's what he's saying. And then he jumps back in. So like, goes back to behavior around this particularly unique and important thing. Sex. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. You know the old saying, first you eat to live, and then you live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is only a temporary thing, but that's no excuse for stuffing your body with food or indulging it with sex. Since the master honors you with a body, honor him with your body. God honored the master's body by raising it from the grave. He'll treat yours with the same resurrection power. Until that time, remember that your bodies are created with the same dignity as the master's body. 
you wouldn't take the master's body off to a whorehouse, would you? I should hope not. I think, well, that's not the sort of words you normally hear in church. It's the Bible. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in Scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the Master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies, these bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love, for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Whew, okay. Paul is talking, what he's talking about here, he's talking about living right. And goes straight for this thing that is key to our personal well-being and our relationship with God is, is this thing, this sex. This, he says there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. So sexual sins, are they're different from other sins. It's this deep connection between two people and a connecting of not just body, but of soul and spirit. That's what, that's what this mystery is. It's like two becoming one. It's like two becoming one. It's... It's easy to say, like, it, it's, it's, it is, it's like, it's mysterious. It's like, but he's saying it's more than just two people, skin on skin. There is something going on here, a connecting that is far deeper. And sex outside of commitment is illegitimate and violates the sacredness of our body. You know, we are, we are designed in such a way that, that this there's this incredible interplay between our body and our mind and our emotions and our imagination and so that what we do as sexual beings, it affects every aspect of our lives. There is no such thing as casual sex. There is no such thing as casual sex. It is never casual. There is such a deep thing going on between two human beings, it is never casual, despite what 21st century Western culture will tell you. You know, we look at some of these cultures around the world and, uh, you know, they have such strict rules around um, what's allowed in terms of their, their culture and you go like, oh, they're so backward. And, and mate, but, you know, I think that we've gone backwards in a lot of ways but with, the, with, with what we see as acceptable. Listen, listen, listen again to, um, to N.T. Wright. To trivialise sex is to trivialise our God-given humanness. To tell lies in that area inevitably sets up a fault line that will run through the rest of our character. And if there are fault lines elsewhere in our lives, they may well result in distorted or damaging sexual desires or practices. 
Make sense? He goes on to say this. Many people in today's world have drunk so deeply from the anything-goes culture that they find the mere suggestions of moral restrictions on sexual behavior surprising or even offensive. Yet, as every pastor knows, the human devastation that results from sexual permissiveness, especially where it involves breaking marriage promises, is far-reaching and long-lasting. God, God calls everyone to this high, high, high standard when it, when it comes to sex. In Ephesians 5 verse 3, it says this, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. So if you're single, don't be sexually active. Don't be sexually active outside of, outside of a, 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 a lifelong commitment to someone. Don't, even if you're dating or engaged, don't. It's just not good for you. Wisdom of the scripture, pastoral experience, you know, it, it will back this up. And if you are single and you are sexually active, can I encourage you to talk to Jesus about it? You, you're a believer. If you are a believer, talk to Jesus about it. That's what Christians do. They ask God to lead them and to speak to them and to guide them. And if you need some help, ask for help. And if you're married, still a high standard. Stay faithful. And stay sexually connected. I'm going to be talking, that's the next, that's the next chapter. It talks about staying sexually connected. I'm thinking to myself, all the men will be going, making sure their wives come along to hear that one. So like, <laughs> still a high standard. Look, and then there's, there's this whole thing that has just gone ballistic in the last 20 years is this thing around pornography, you know? And it's, so if you've got pornography issues, work hard to break free. Let me know. Let someone know. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm so proud of people when they talk about this stuff and they talk about wanting to get this sorted out and, uh, and they ask for help. I'm so proud of them. Man. And we need help. We need, we need to help each other to conquer this. That only if you can only help if you, we can only help if you ask for help. And again, with this whole area of sexual activity, if you stumble, just turn back to God, talk about it, and He gives you a fresh start. Oh, so good! A fresh start. So sex and the sexual drive, it is so, so powerful. It is, um, it's created by God, but it's so, so powerful. And we need to, we need to deal with it well. We need, to, we need to steer this thing well. We need to work out how to live well without the strong sexual part of us. And I'm going to give you a bit of a picture here, and it may be a terrible picture. Um, it may have all sorts of like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that angle on this picture. But here's, but you'll remember it anyway, okay? I was reading in the newspaper on Friday about the Team New Zealand yacht. Okay. And uh, it's about their foils. You know the foils a bit that's in the water when the whole boat's out of the water? And there's this, we've got a foil that's got a kink in it. 
and no one else has got a fall that's got a kink in it. And I was just putting this together yesterday, and I was thinking, like, this is like what our sex drive is like. Okay, this is what it says about the boat. The extra kink creates high lift, but it is actually quite unstable. But it's like a fighter jet. If you can master that instability and work out how these foils work, you can make the boat go really fast. You are a high-performance yacht. (laughs) You've got to learn how to be stable. Because if you... Don't, if, you, if you're not stable, did you see that boat fall over? Like, and, and look, my guess would be that many of us, we would have many stories of um, times when we haven't had a stable yacht. And uh, we would, there would be people here that have got stories of capsizes. We've got stories of people that are capsized and they've just stayed out in the water, just drowning. We've got, we'll have other stories of people like Team New Zealand who as soon as they crashed, they went back to the shore crew and they got the boat fixed up again so that, and they could get back on the water. We've got to master this thing, you know, the instability. We've got to, so we don't crash, so we can enjoy being out on the water. So our sexual part of ourselves can just be this wonderful life-giving part of our lives. So sex, it's so powerful. You'd be a fool to think that it's not. And I don't use that word lightly. Don't be a fool and think that sex is not powerful. Whether you're single, whether you're married, you know, there's um, sexual issues are at, at the root of almost all marriage breakdowns, either directly or indirectly. Let me just touch, touch on this um, pornography thing again and then we'll, um, just as we finish here, so. This, this powerful and addictive thing that can sort of haul you away from God. And I remember as a young man, you know, like hearing this thing about there's these three, the three A's will protect you from pornography. Accessibility, affordability, and anonymity. All of those have gone today. They've gone. All of those things that were the three barriers that would stop you, you know, will potentially help you they're all gone. You know, if you, if you had a smartphone that's in your, you know, you've got, that's in your pocket all the time. It's a huge challenge for men and for women. It's a huge challenge. If you think that you're alone in your, in your pornography habits, you're mistaken. Statistics would indicate that there are heaps of people here today, right now, struggling with this. It's just statistically. So, you know, struggling if not addicted. So, so could I say to you, the important thing is to keep choosing to work hard to do the right thing. Getting some help if you need it, learning how to be in control, not being controlled by it, learning to turn back to God and start afresh 
from a place of being loved and forgiven by God. You know, there's, there's a guy in the Bible. He's a, he, was the, he was God's king, King David. And he lived in a palace. And he was um, in this elevated place. And there was a season in his life where he, he was on the roof of his palace looking down and could see women showering. So maybe it's modern day, like it's, it's, the, it's the equivalent of modern day pornography, I don't know. But he saw a woman and he's one particular woman that just captured him and he says, I just have to have her. And he arranged for her husband to be on the front lines in battle so he would be killed so that he could then have her as his wife. You think, this guy is just the worst guy in the world. Let me tell you what the Bible says about this king. It says, David was a man after God's own heart. You go, what? That's how the Bible talks about David? And why David was described as that is because when he was confronted with his sin, he was on the whole, throughout his whole life, this, this man that was just had, had he just wanted to please God with everything. He had a mere of a season around this thing here, a nightmare. And... Um, and, but when he was confronted with his sin, again, he turned. He just broke down and just, and just, you know, just confessed before God and, and, turned, and turned back to God. And this guy is talked about in the Scripture as a, as a great man of God, even though he had this horrible, you know, season where he just made this, you know, like, honestly, it's like, it's, it's unbelievable. But you know what? We can take heart from that. No matter what's going on in our lives or where we've been or things that have happened, we can take heart from that. Because God loves people who have a heart that, that turns to him when we stumble. So people, it doesn't matter what, what stage of life that you're at whether you're young, whether you're older, whether you're single, you're married, you're single again after being married. Sex is important. Sex is challenging. And getting things wrong in this area can be, you know, it can lead to carnage. So the punchline is two punchlines to take away. Okay, two punchlines to take away today. Take it seriously. Take your sexual activity very seriously. And just choose today to work hard at this. I'm going to work hard at this. Getting this right my whole life. I'm going to learn how to sail. I'm going to learn how to sail. It's so worth fighting for to live well in this area. So it is life-giving and not life-destroying. So that's punchline one. Take it seriously. And the second thing to take away is that you can have a fresh start. No matter where you're at, no matter what's happened, no matter what journey you've been on, no matter whether you just capsized last week or whether you've some, you know, some big things happened in your, in your past, um, there's such wonderful news that, that you can come, just as King David did, you can come and bring it all to God and he just welcomes you with open arms and he says, of course you're forgiven, of course you're loved, let's start again, let's... Let's start again with a fresh start. The wonderful, wonderful hope and 
and blessing that comes from knowing God and 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 having that forgiveness available to us. It's a wonderful thing. So take it seriously and know there is always a fresh start with God. Let's stand together, shall we? Just praying about today, this morning, and um, had a bit of an odd thought, and um, it, I'm hoping it's from God. One of the things that is so easy to go into after a message on sex is go like, um, it could be. Okay, let's just all put up our hands if we're struggling. <laughs> um, but to talk about like the things that, are, um, you know, the, the, the capsizes to talk about the capsizes. But I just felt this morning to pray for, for people and, um, and, and pray that God would plant in them just a vision for just an incredible um, life in, in, with relation to their, to their, sexual, their, their, their sexual drive, their, their, the sexual part of who they are. And I don't even know what that looks like to pray for that, but, but so often it's, you know, because because there's there's so much potential for danger, so much of the time it's just the dangers that are talked about. But today I want to pray that we would all capture this this vision for just the the incredible thing that having having um, having great a great sex life, eventually for the young single people, but and you know currently for married people um, that just. That that would be that would be something that would he would plant in our hearts that would and out of that would flow this this the strength to work hard at these things and to and to press into this. So so is that okay? I'm going to pray. For, I was going to say, is that okay? I'm going to do it anyway, even if it's not okay. All right. Um, so if 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 you feel like you know you, you something in your heart that's saying yes to that, then just just open your heart to God as we as we pray. Okay, just open your heart to Him. And especially for people that have are in a place where um, they have never been sexually active, you know, particularly, I would love you just to grab a hold of this, just this sense of like, yeah, I want to have just the, my story to be a great story when it comes to my journey related to to sex in a way that I can be proud of. God, we're so glad that you have given us some guidance when it comes to uh, this whole incredibly challenging and potentially confusing and so powerful area of our lives, the area of of, of the sexual part of us and our sexual drives. We're grateful that it's something that you created and anything you create is good, but anything that we have has such potential for good and for not good. But God, I pray now, God, I pray like by, by the power of your spirit, God, that for those that have open hearts, God, that you would plant in them power by your spirit that, that, and that would enable them to, to be resolute, God, with saying, yes, I want to have a great story when it comes to my life as a, as, a, as a sexual person. 
God, plant it in their hearts. God, plant it in their hearts. Plant it in their minds. Plant resolve, God, and, and empower them to, 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 to stay the course. God, I pray for people in that are, are married, God. I pray, God, that, that this would be this 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 message this morning again would would again spark them to say, yes, yes, we want this to be a, like to be as good as it can be. God, where things have, have uh, perhaps gone this way or that way. God, I pray that you would you would plant in people, God, fresh fresh excitement and and purpose and resolve to go this this let's keep keep getting this side of our lives going well and god i pray to for for people that are here this morning that are still reeling from the capsize god god we are so grateful that you offer us a fresh start so, God, we come to you, God, with our failings, and we say, forgive us, God. Forgive us of times when we haven't, we have, uh, the instability has got the better of us, and we've, and we've crashed. God, forgive us. And we, we're so grateful that we can come to you, know that you are faithful and will forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and that you'll set us on a new path, you will plant our feet, God, on a, on a new path. That you'll give us a fresh start that starts right now. We are clean. We are forgiven. We are loved. Thank you, God. God, I pray for people that are in situations that they uh, they want to break out of, they're struggling to break out of. God, may may you empower them. Empower them with resolve. Empower them with wisdom so that they know what to do. Empower them with courage so that they can talk to people that would journey with them and, and, be, and add their strength to, the, to their own strength. I pray particularly for the, just right now, for the, for the those that haven't been married, you know, young people and 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 the not so young people. God, I pray that you would you would protect them from the efforts of the enemy to destabilize them in this area. I pray that their that they would see the sexual part of their lives in the way that you would see it as something that is created to be just incredibly wonderful and that they wouldn't they wouldn't take into this thing of like it's this scary dangerous horrible um thing it's it, god that you would plant in them a healthy a 
healthy view of of their sexual selves that they can take into any future committed relationship. Just take a yeah, just take a moment. It may be just in the just in your own thoughts, just to just to just you might want to just bring something to God just right now, just in this place where He's present and, and these things are, are are very much fresh in your mind on the back of talking. It's just just take a moment. There may be some things you just want to talk to God about. Let's just let's just make some space for that just for a minute and then we'll close. God, we thank you for your presence here. We pray that the things that you want us to take away from today, God, that you would uh, keep them lodged in our heart and our heads. And again, we thank you for your love, your forgiveness, and your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.